But you guys can be seated. <clears throat> Good morning. Um, welcome. For those who don't know me, my name is Mark. I'm the, I'm the pastor here at our Syracuse campus. We're starting a five-week series, actually, um, today. It's called Resilience. And, and like I said, it's all about emotions. It's about becoming emotionally healthy. Um, so over the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about dealing with difficult emotions and what the Bible has to say about it, okay? Um, so emotions, I mean, obviously, some of us who knew Glenda, we know how powerful emotions are, like today, right? But, but all kinds of emotions. We know how powerful emotions are. We experience them during, you know, intense, intense moments, um, or they grow within us through a series of experiences that we go through um, sometimes. Um, and sometimes our emotions they end up being the driving force behind some of the things that we do. And that can be good, or sometimes that can be bad. And it's important to understand that God created emotions, okay? And just like, just like everything God creates, the enemy wants to corrupt it and twist it. He wants to, to twist our emotions in order to drive us away from God. Now, the purpose of this sermon series is to focus on harnessing uh, difficult emotions to, to rather than drive us away from God, to drive us towards Him. So that's, that's the, the main focus of this series that we're going to be going through. See, there are plenty of lies that we're constantly fed when it comes to our emotions by the devil, you know, who's the father of lies, by the world, by our very own flesh. We're fed so many lies one of the great lies um, of our world today in our society, I, I think, is, is that your emotions and your, your feelings, they, they almost define you and the way that you operate. Uh, that the only way to deal with your emotions is, is to like get them out, to, that you have to act on them, that you, you, just, you just have to. It's this idea that you have no responsibility for the way that you handle your emotions. And and we're seeing so many people in our society today who have bought so much into this lie that they're incapable of dealing with any kind of difficult situation or experience. And that's just one of the lies, okay? That's just one of the lies about emotions. The other big lie is that the only way to deal with difficult emotions is to stuff them, to just, to just push them down, to, to pretend that they're not there, or to just force them out in a way. See, some people feel that they shouldn't feel certain emotions, or maybe they think that powerful emotions are a sign of weakness. And I think that sometimes it's easy for us as Christians to fall into the trap of thinking that there are emotions that we shouldn't ever experience, like anger or, or sadness, okay? But here's our first point. Emotions aren't sinful or weak, they were created by God, and even God experiences them. I mean, think about that. God experiences them. All throughout the Bible, we, we read about God expressing all different kinds of emotions. And some of the emotions we see God exhibit, you know, sometimes they even surprise us. In Exodus 32, God expresses his anger at the Israel nation. He, he'd rescued them out of slavery in the land of Egypt, and he'd assured them that he was going to bring them to the promised land. 
where he would make a great nation out of them. And Moses, the prophet that God had used to lead the people out of slavery, was up on the mountain God had called him to, giving instructions on the covenant being made with, this, with this, his, his nation of Israel. And down at the base of the mountain, the people, while Moses is up there for a long period of time, the people down at the base of the mountain, they're becoming impatient, waiting for Moses to return. And they, they turn their backs on the one true God who saved them, creating an idol of gold to worship another god. And so here in Exodus 32, see this. Then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them and I will destroy them. So God is angry. He's angry with the Israelites so much so that he wants to destroy them. After everything he has done for them, they so easily rebelled and turned their backs on him. God, he experiences fierce anger. Let's not also forget another example of anger we see expressed when Jesus went into the temple. You remember, if you know the story, he goes into the temple and he flips over the tables of the money changers, chasing people out of the temple, he was angry at what the house of God had become, what it had been turned into. Jesus was angry. He expressed anger. So God feels anger. We see it plenty throughout the Bible. God also expresses grief. Before the flood, it it says in in Genesis that mankind grew increasingly wicked increasingly wicked, but that their hearts and minds were consumed by nothing but evil. That's all they knew and thought about was continual evil. In Genesis 6, 6, so the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. It broke his heart. See, when God finished each, each part of creation, If you read the creation story in Genesis, after each part, he said it was good. With humans, and then then at the the very last, he creates humans. He creates mankind. And after he creates mankind, he doesn't just say it was good. He says it was very good. God created an amazing world full of goodness with with humans created to rule over it as stewards with their creator to help steward and and rule over creation. But humans rebelled against God, bringing sin into the world and staining everything good with it. What God had created to be so good and beautiful had been completely corrupted, and it grieved him. It grieved God. It broke his heart. In Mark chapter 3, we see Jesus feeling grief as well. The Pharisees are, are constantly watching Jesus, okay, to, to, to find any mistake that he might make that they could publicly destroy him with. That was their, their focus. That's what they wanted to do was just humiliate him publicly. And so they're always just watching him. And Jesus is in the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he sees a man with a withered hand. He uses this opportunity 
to test the, the Pharisees by asking if it's lawful to do good deeds on the Sabbath. But they're so blinded by their self-righteousness and their strict rule following that they refuse to even answer the question. He asked them straight out, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? And not a single one of them would even answer. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. See, Jesus wasn't just angry. We see anger here, right? But he was deeply saddened, it says. Some versions say he was grieved by their hard hearts. And Jesus feels an intense grief over their blindness, their blindness by pride, their blindness by worship of a list of rules and regulations. He feels an intense grief over that. They're blind to the fact that their Messiah that they've waited so long for is right in front of them. He's right there to teach them, to serve them, to ultimately die for them. And they can't even see it. They refuse to see it. So we see that God expresses anger and grief, okay? But he also expresses joy. In Zephaniah 3.17, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. See, God delights and rejoices over his people. He's joyful. God has joy. And in fact, God's joy, we can actually experience. We can, we can experience his joy. Look what it says in John 15, 11. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Isn't that awesome? Jesus makes an amazing promise that when we follow him, we can experience his joy. And his joy is so great that it overflows. The joy that, that God has can't even be contained. It, it pours out of us. So it's obvious that emotions aren't something that only we as humans experience. God has emotions too. So emotions aren't weak. They aren't sinful. They are something God expresses and something that he created in us. Do our emotions sometimes encourage us toward bad behavior, though? Sure. Of course they can. As we mentioned, emotions are powerful and can lead to destructive thinking or actions if they aren't filtered, filtered through the truth that God's given us. Take grief, for example. There's such a clear difference in the way that people react to the loss of a loved one determined by the fact of whether they've embraced the gospel or not. I myself have experienced the difference. Before I knew Christ, I, I experienced loss of loved ones and in my grief, I would explain it as depressing and hopeless. 
But knowing the gospel and having total hope in the work of Jesus completely changes the way that grief is experienced. It absolutely changes it. In fact, even today, as we prayed for Glenda, I mean, just knowing, knowing the gospel, knowing full well where she is right now, the joy that she's experiencing, that changes our grief, doesn't it? That changes our grief. We still have grief, but it changes the way we experience it. Because there's a hope and a peace that remains. There's a hope and a peace that remains through any loss, no matter how difficult it is. Grieving is, is actually something that's needed. It's necessary. It's, a, it's healthy when experienced through the perspective of the gospel. So our, our emotions can actually help us much of the time when dealt with correctly. Even the ones that we perceive as, as negative. You know, some of them we kind of perceive as positive, some as negative, right? Grief can cause us to lean further into God's love and comfort. It can cause us to draw closer to Him. Sometimes it takes something or someone being taken away from us before we really recognize how great our need for God is. Fear, another one we would probably label as negative, a negative emotion. It can make us aware of danger and cause us to be on the lookout for it. It can drive us to cautiously avoid things in the world that would drag us away from God. So fear can be useful. Shame might seem like nothing but a negative emotion, but it may prevent us from getting caught up in immorality, or maybe it can lead us back to morality from an immoral life. Anger. Let's talk about anger. Righteous anger. Okay, that's what we're going to talk about. There are different kinds of anger. Righteous anger. It can motivate us to engage in battles against injustice and to stand up for the defenseless. Righteous anger has been a huge driving force behind some of the most heroic actions and movements in human history. It's what drove abolitionists in the 18th and 19th centuries to stand up, stand up against the atrocities of the slave trade, leading to the eventual abolition of slavery. It's what inspired people to stand up against the Nazi regime in Germany. People like Diedrich Bonhoeffer, and a pastor and theologian, and students of the White Rose Resistance who were executed for their resistance. But that righteous anger caused them to stand up against that Nazi regime. Righteous anger against tyranny is what caused the founding fathers of our nation here to rise up against the British Empire and win independence. So you can see emotions themselves aren't necessarily good or, or bad. It's what we do with them that matters. How we let them affect us. What, what, how we live those out. And the key is it all comes down to where our heart is. Here's our second point. Our hearts determine the course of our lives. And that includes our mind, will, and emotions. 
Here's the verse that we're going to be focusing on for this entire resilient series, okay? Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It's important to understand what, what heart means in the Old Testament. Because in Hebrew, the word for heart means much more than it does to us. We think of uh, our hearts representing our, our feelings and our emotions separate from our minds, right, which we use to represent our thinking and logic. But heart to the Israelites, it, it encompassed everything that we would include when we say our hearts, mind, and even our will, okay? So when the word heart is used in the Old Testament... It includes feelings as well as thoughts and even intentions. Heart means your entire inner being. Your heart, will, mind, and understanding. So what, what this really means is that these things that we all think are disconnected, really in the Bible, we consider them all connected. Our hearts and our minds are connected. Our wills, are, they're, they're all connected, Okay? Our society teaches that these things operate separately, that you operate out of one of two things, out of your heart or out of your mind, right? I had a friend years ago who was really into sports betting, and there's a, a, fra a phrase that they like to use is, bet with your head, not with your heart. I don't know if you guys have heard that before. Because if you're a fan of a particular team, it's difficult to bet against them, right? Your, your feelings don't want to. You don't want to bet against your team. But the idea is to not let your feelings or emotions dictate any of your decision-making. Now, while this is, a, this is sports betting I'm talking about, I think that our society has in some ways embraced this concept across the board in a lot of different areas. People say some things like that all the time. You know, use your head, not your heart. These have become compartmentalized as though you can operate in, in one or the other, but not both. It has to be one or the other. So the heart that we're talking about, though, it includes feelings as well as thoughts. Feelings as well as thoughts, but the heart is also where we make choices, where we make decisions. So that's the heart that this verse is talking about. That's what it's speaking to, and which is why it determines the course of our lives, right? That's why that, that now it makes more sense, doesn't it? Because if it's just your feelings and emotions, how does that determine the course of your life? Well, if it encompasses everything that we've just talked about, now we can see how it determines the course of our lives. Understanding that our emotions are connected to our thoughts and choices is crucial to finding resilience, Right? Back to the title of our sermon series, Resilient. So resilient, what, is that, what does that word mean? Well, here's the, the Oxford Dictionary definition, okay? It's the capacity to withstand or to recover quickly from difficulties or toughness. Now, there are many promises all throughout the Bible, okay? Most of them, when we read these promises, we're pretty happy about it. We like these promises, um, but one of the promises 
that we find in the Bible is that we will go through difficulties. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we know that we will go through difficulties. Even if you've put your life in Jesus, your, your trust in Jesus, your life is still going to have difficulties. We'll experience all kinds of trouble in this world. And there's, there's no avoiding it, no matter how much we try. We have no control over that. But we do have control over something. We have control over how we react to trouble. And we can actually allow the difficulties we experience to help us grow if we guard our hearts. James chapter 1 Starting in verse 2, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Reading on, for, what, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now, I, I shared the dictionary's definition of resilience. Okay, but here's how we're going to define resilience for this series. Okay, resilience is harnessing difficult emotions to build your faith. It's all too common to allow our difficult emotions to turn us away from God rather than towards Him. We have to remember that we have a very real enemy who wants to use our emotions against us for that very reason, to try to drive us away from God. The devil, he wants to manipulate your heart, to use it against you. He wants to twist your thoughts and your feelings and choices into turning away from God. And the reason he is able to do this so well is because our hearts, our our inner beings, are broken because of sin. See, there's this unholy trinity that we battle against. The devil, the world, and our very own flesh. Jeremiah 17, 9, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Our heart the Old Testament version heart that we're talking about here, our whole inner being is deceitful. Our very own thoughts and emotions lead us to make wicked decisions on our own because our heart is polluted with sin and it poisons everything that comes from it. And there's no way for us to clean our polluted hearts. There's no way for us to do that. But there is still hope because God has a plan. God has a plan for your polluted heart. When you put your faith in Jesus, you no longer need that old polluted heart, that stained heart. Because Jesus will give you a new one. Ezekiel 36, 26. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender heart responsive heart. This is the new nature 
that God puts in you when you surrender your life to him. See, God will redeem your thoughts, your intentions, your emotions, all the things that we talk about encompassing the heart. He can redeem those because he's going to give you a new heart that is tender and responsive to him. But it takes a willingness to surrender your old heart over. It means submitting to him. It means opening up to him. God isn't going to take out your stony, stubborn heart unless you open it up to him, unless you open up for him to take it. And for some of us, this was a decision that was made more quickly and easily than others. For me, it took over 30 years of my life before I finally gave up trying to overcome my sin nature on my own with my own stony, stubborn heart. Obviously, some of our hearts are more stubborn than others. But it wasn't until I finally was willing to surrender my, my heart, my entire inner being, that I was finally given a new heart. When I finally surrendered my old heart, I was given a new one, and I haven't been the same since. And, and if you're here today, and you wonder why you're still under the control of your thoughts and emotions, consider whether you're really surrendering your whole heart to God, your whole inner being. If not, ask God what it is that you're still holding on to. Ask Him to reveal that to you. And for those who still haven't put their trust in Jesus, I, I can promise you that the new heart that He offers is so much greater than the one you have now. And if you have questions about that, if you're wondering what that really means, and you want to talk some more about that, I, I'm here after service. I'd love to talk to you about that. If you haven't put your faith in Jesus yet, I would love to talk with you about that because that is really the, the way that we be, can become resilient is to allow God to put that new heart in us so that we can act out accordingly with our thoughts, our emotions, our choices, our decisions. And next week, come back because we're going to talk about how to harness anger. So if you have an anger problem, Come back next week and we'll talk about it. But in the meantime, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the truth that you've offered in it, the truth that you've revealed to us of, of your nature. God, your nature that is full of emotions, those emotions that you've put into us. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for your word that, that confirms that to us, that confirms to us that we aren't weak or sinful for having emotions. And that also, Lord, that we shouldn't stuff our emotions, that we shouldn't try to drive our emotions away, Lord, but that we should, we should allow our emotions to be filtered through your truth, allow our emotions to, to be spoken into by your spirit, Lord. Lord, I pray that today we would truly seek to have a, a whole heart, a whole inner being submitted and surrendered to you. Because, Lord, that's where transformation comes from. 
where we can finally find victory and, and not be ruled by our emotions, our emotions that drive us to negative actions and destructive behavior. Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us those areas that we are not submitting to you, that we're not fully surrendering over to you. Lord, I pray that those here today who maybe are, are, are seeking you for the very first time, Lord, I pray that your, your spirit would open their hearts and, and reveal your truth to them. Lord, that they would recognize their need for you, how much they need you each and every day to be the Lord of their lives. Lord, we love you and thank you. And we ask for you to go with us this week as we try to, to live lives that honor you. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.